Welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast with Ryan Cote, where we feature casual conversations with entrepreneurs about personal development and growth. Hey, Doug. Welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. Um, let's talk about who you are, what you do for a living, and then uh, maybe some of your hobbies. What are your, what are your interests? So I'm a licensed psychologist. I live in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I actually have two PhDs, a PhD in clinical psychology and a PhD in business psychology, organizational psych. I work with uh, entrepreneurs, professional athletes, and used to work quite a bit with the Navy SEAL teams and, and really looking at optimal performance and kind of landed in a niche in society of working with something I call Drivens. And it's based very simply on the ADD, ADHD spectrum. We're about 10% of the general population have a different brain structure and a different reward system that uh, in my book, I go back into some theories about why, you know, these genetics and this brain difference that we have is so resilient, but about 10% of us are really wired for a, a hunting style of kind of productivity in the world where most people are wired to be farmers. It's an interesting niche that I absolutely love. How'd you get into that niche? All psychologists, believe it or not, and it's true what they say, all psychologists get into the field to figure out their own crap. And so I am a addictive personality, to say the least, and I fit this genetic profile and this brain structure that I look at. I've been in it, you know, great time to be a shrink because of the functional MRI and the human genome being cracked and being able to see, you know, how this human animal, this meat suit that I'm living in is actually wired and being understood. So it's it's really personal passion. And then I found most of my clients really need to hear what I have to teach. So what I teach works. That's got to help, of course. Yep. So I want to I talk to you about personal development, entrepreneurship, and uh, we talk about r- routines. And before we started recording, you were talking about you know the resistance to routines and self-sabotage. So I do want to definitely touch on those two topics. But I always like to start off with... Uh, Besides the introduction, of course, start off with uh, your, your morning routine. Can you walk us through what that looks like for you? I would be an absolute mess without a morning routine. And, you know, I've been teaching meditation for 20 plus years. And it is the point of a meditation practice, particularly a morning meditation practice, is to keep it. And, you know, it is this struggle to keeping it. That was my doctoral research. And so I treat my morning routine like gold. It is, it is the most important part of my day to actually get, you know, get this part of my brain awake to where I can learn to call bullshit on myself for the rest of the day. And so my morning routine is, is very consistent. I wake up, I do a bulletproof coffee. I walk downstairs with my Bulletproof coffee. I have a journal in my hand. <laughs> I sit on a set of Zafu and Zabatana meditation set of cushions, and I light a candle in front of me. And it has been a 15, 18-year practice now. I have missed, I think I'm on a 77-day streak now, and I missed a day. And prior to that, I think it was 140. And prior to that, it was 260. So I am really consistent in this morning routine, but I make the routine 
flexible enough that I can really keep it. It is this very simple walk downstairs that I always do, very simple sit on the cushion that I always do, very simple you know, coffee that I always do. But the style of meditation may vary, the length of time may vary, how I journal varies, what I'm reading varies. And so I have enough flexibility in it that it allows me to get my needs met. But the beginning of it, the middle of it, and the end of it, you know, I will sit on my cushion and I will meditate and I will have the bell go off at the end and I'll actually be done. And that's a key part of my, my structure and my routine. And it is, it's an opportunity for me to feel and hear, you know, I call it the monkey mind, the monkey mind talking me out of my routine. And so it is this, in that moment, when I feel that break of the routine or, ah, you know what, another cup of coffee, or you know what, I didn't put enough collagen in it, you know, some monkey mind excuse for me to break my routine. That is the magic for me in my routine practice, in my meditation practice or my morning routine. And it's the opportunity to see myself sabotage. That is the key of it. We all experience the same thing. Like we're trying to do something and something distracts us. But like you said, it's, it's usually our, our mind trying to distract us from actually doing the routine. Why do you think that resistance is there? Like what's causing that? So that was my doctoral dissertation. My doctoral dissertation looked at a bunch of stuff and including lottery winners. <laughs> and you look at lottery winners are a great example of, you know, I do this stuff from stage and who in the audience wants to win the lottery? Everybody raised their hands. And I've got multiple slides of actually what happens to eight out of 10 people that win the lottery. It destroys your life. You're broke. Your family hates you. You're like, well, that wouldn't happen to me. And the same thing happens. You know, it's why January sucks at the gym is that, you know, everybody makes these commitments to keep a routine. But by February, and I said this earlier, February 14th, Most people, and I mean 78% of people, don't even remember what their New Year's resolutions were. So it is this, what, you know, and I was early 90s when I was doing my research, mid 90s, you know, we didn't have the functional MRI like we do now. And it, it is really this battle between the operating system that lives in our body and the operating system that lives in our brain between our ears. The one between your ears can imagine the most amazing, fantastical, awesome worlds that you want to live, you know, and it can create beautiful images in your head of what, how wonderful your life would be if you won the lottery. The problem is, is that the body, the way the body works, and it's a much older system, I mean, way it's, it's millions and millions and millions of years older. So it is way more powerful that the body wants a familiar world. And so you go to the gym for three weeks or five weeks or whatever, and your body starts to feel better. And that's when your monkey mind will start to resist continuing those behaviors. And it's not a thought that does it. It is a resistance in the body. So you get this impulse in the body that's my joke about the gym, is all of a sudden the couch starts to get a little stickier. (laughs) You start to get stuck to this couch and you're trying to get off the couch. If that triggers the monkey mind to come up with very creative reasons why you can't go to the gym right now and you believe them, 
then you have the, the monkey mind colluding with your body to sabotage you. What mm-hmm. suffering is, though, is that your body starts to resist. But then up in your monkey mind, you get these big ass gorillas beating the crap out of you. Go to the gym, you lazy BBBBB. And you have this battle between what my impulse in my body is telling me to do versus what I know is best in my head. And that, that is the meat of what I teach. That is personal development, is learning to rise above the impulses. But the key takeaway from meditation, the key takeaway of maintaining a morning routine is that you can catch your body starting to resist continuing these behaviors that you, in your mind, know are good for you. And so if, if you continue to do the behaviors, your body will slowly but surely adjust. And that's where micro commitments and micro goals and all of that research, you know, and I start everybody when I'm teaching this stuff to start a two minute morning routine. You start a routine that is so simple and so easy that there's absolutely no monkey mind logical reason that you should resist doing it. And yet you will still resist doing it. <laughs> so it's this, you know, we're all human beings and it's like, oh, there's the resistance. And I can gently move through that resistance. And the other key thing I say about meditation is there is no resistance in the present. None. Yeah, but I don't want it. But right now I can feel my feet and I can feel my feet moving towards the coffee maker I can turn on the coffee. I can get my cup of coffee. I can feel the resistance to going downstairs and meditating. But then I move through and I just feel my feet moving. And in that way, you can do absolutely any of these things you want to do. As long as you can catch that resistance and and slowly allow your body to adjust to the new better. There's no point where you said you've been doing your morning routine for... 18 years, I think you said. So is there, do you get to a point where there is no self-sabotage? There is no resistance to the routines or is it always there? It just, it just gets lighter. It gets lighter. And then this attitudinal shift that I have, and I teach, you know, if you're reading my book about drivens and it's for driven people, but it's a shift in identity in that, you know, I'm not doing this morning routine because I need to be okay. No, I'm doing this morning routine because I am okay. And I am actually embracing this concept of better or mastery. And mastery is this, you know, I'm in a constant state of self-improvement. And so if I'm not feeling the resistance, I'm not pushing myself hard enough. And so very simply, that's when I start to read some more esoteric Buddhist texts that are just a nightmare to read. And, you know, it's like, oh, God, I don't want to take the breath, feel the resistance and keep moving forward on it. But yes, I mean, if I don't have my coffee now and if I don't have my morning meditation, I feel off all day. So in that sense, it has become a habit. But it's also this this way of actually continuously pushing myself, just leaning against that that resistance. So I always know I'm in, you know, I'm I'm developing my capacity to override my body's impulses or actually be with my body's impulses and not get into that monkey mind battling what my body wants to do. If you're not feeling the resistance very simply is you're not pushing yourself hard enough. <laughs> 
and hear my drivenness in that, I'm sure. Yeah, we don't talk much about resistance to routines on on this podcast, so I'm glad you're bringing it up because a lot of times it just starts with raising the awareness so that, that, that it's a thing so that next time one of my listeners is going to do something like a morning routine or what have you and they're they're making up things to do instead, well, they now can recognize, oh, wait, this is what Doug was talking about, the resistance. I, I just need to acknowledge it and then just work through it. So I'm glad you're talking about and it, it. It is, yeah, it didn't. Most importantly, it's normal. It's supposed to be there. Well, normal people can go to the gym every day and not even struggle with it. No, that's not true. Everybody's in this struggle, but very few people are aware of it. And so what you just said is dead on. It's that awareness, you know, and the tasks and tools that you're creating, you know, that I've created, that everybody creates to to help us is only part of the work. The real work is that internal over, not overcoming the resistance, but being with the resistance and smiling at the resistance and doing it anyway. <laughs> Holding yourself accountable is, I mean, that is growth. That was helpful. I, I want to take a, a bit of a 180 here and I want to talk about happiness, meaning of life. I know meaning of life is a, it's personal thing and it, obviously it's different for everyone, but have you ever given that, Topic, any thought? And again, do you have any high overview thoughts on, on the meaning of life that, that applies to most of us? My Zen teacher that I've had for years and years and years, he's, he says laughter. And I tend to agree with that, you know, that, that a capacity to laugh at oneself and that capacity to laugh with others is, I think we're a dancing, singing, laughing species. And we spend way too much time in our head. And so I think the meaning of life for me, my spiritual practice of really trying to get to know God, <laughs> G-O-D, is a process of getting to know the present moment. You know, I think, you know, one of my favorite names for God is presence. And so I think when you really embrace the present, you'll learn to laugh a hell of a lot more. What that answer made me think of, like, I, I've got kids and, and they're fairly young. and But really any kid, if you look at like under seven, six years old, they, you know, they don't have a, a fear in the world, a care in the world. They laugh. They, they, you know, they're not, they're not afraid about being judged and they just live very free and, and they seem to be having a lot of fun. I look at my six year old and she's always having fun. And then like, at what point do we lose that? The Joseph Campbell stuff has made me think of that. And one of my favorite teachers said, assuredly, I say to you, bring the children to me for they are closest to the kingdom of heaven. It is this attitude and joseph campbell said it you know that we're all born into the garden of eden that we're all born into this place of just freedom you know we're free of sin we're free of shame we're free of these things but at some point we all eat from the tree of knowledge <laughs> then we know right from wrong and immediately we're filled with shame and that that is this you know moment that you're witnessing in your kids when they when they find out what a good student is somewhere around seven, eight, nine, ten, and that maybe I'm not a good student, it starts to unravel that sense of freedom that we can all go back to in the present. But kids, yeah, kids are just more present. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got one more question for you, Doug. I always like to sneak in a business question here too. So I'm going to use this last question for that. Um, I loved all the time we spent on routines and habits. So um, I want to go to business here. and. Um, I want to talk about challenge a challenge you've faced. It could be 
recent or it could be in the past. And then how you got through it. You could talk about the mindset, the tactics you used, whatever comes to mind. Yeah, it's business specific challenge. I have so writing a book and having all of these people around me that, you know, as in the entrepreneurial world, and I'm sure most of your listeners can see, there's this thing called I, I call it scale porn. There's this unbelievable need. God, you've got to scale, you've got to scale, you've got to scale. And I have been unbelievably resistant and sabotaging and all kinds of things around that because, you know, personally, the internal struggle has always been the imposter syndrome for me. And, you know, feeling like I'm, you know, oh my God, they might find out, you know, that I'm really not as smart or not as good. And, you know, that dissertation of mine, you know, the dissertation chair shook my hand and said, congratulations, Dr. Brackman. First time I ever got called doctor. And I could hear my mind say clear as a bell. Ha ha. He bought it. (laughs) So that that imposter syndrome and how I have worked through that personally is really just a change of identity that my identity, your identity is not your business. It's not your success and failures. It's not, it's not any of those things. And so the personal work and the professional work, you know, being tied together so intimately, you know, has turned into this real understanding that, you know, as I say in my book, it's, it's not who do I think I am. It's a, really an acceptance of what I am, you know, and what I am as a teacher, what I am as a monkey, what I am as a homo sapien. And, you know, that, that capacity to actually hold that has allowed me to actually step into the public view and not, not be worried about the results. And so it's just, you know, a good teacher never knows they're a good teacher because they're always trying to be a better teacher. So as long as I'm in that state of better, trying to be better at it, I can stay out of the results and then move towards, you know, this, this bigger world. That's a great quote you just said there. Uh, um, a great teacher doesn't know he or she is a great teacher because they're trying to become a better teacher. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's humility. And same thing with parenting and good husband doesn't know they're a good husband because they're always trying to be a better husband. <laughs> My wife can attest to that. I got a lot of growth to do. <laughs> uh, me too. So, well, this was great, Doug. You dropped a lot of interesting advice and gems, and I really appreciate your time. If someone wants to learn more about you, about or if they want to buy your book, uh, what's yeah, the all, all things Dr. Doug is, is at a place called IamDriven.com. So it's just I am driven all and it's uh it gets my book free downloads of uh first three or five chapters and first couple audios and i got some meditation guides on there i got a bunch of stuff on there so please i like, that domain. I like that domain name that's a good one so we'll, we'll link that up on the show notes yeah uh, thank you all right thanks doug all Appreciate right it. thanks ryan thanks for listening to the morning upgrade podcast please subscribe and review And don't forget to visit us at morningupgrade.com for more content.